Welcome to Rapidly Rotating Records, an hour of toe-tapping music from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s with yours truly, Glenn Robison, on Island Radio, KISL Avalon, at 88.7 on your FM dial, and at KISLAvalon.com on your internet dial. We've got dance bands, hot bands, sweet bands, show tunes, novelty tunes, blues, jazz, and more on everything from Aeolian to Xenophone and by everyone from Aronson to Zerky. On this week's show, we'll celebrate the birthdays of Lillian Glynn, Jacques Renard, and Ed Sheen, ride a Pullman train, and we'll try to bring a little reason to the table. Last week, May 10th, marked the birth in 1902 in Hillsboro, Texas, of classic and country blues singer and songwriter Lillian Glynn. She was discovered singing spirituals in church by Texas blues singer Hattie Burleson, with whose help she became a successful vaudeville artist. In December of 1927, her manager, R.T. Ashford, secured a recording contract for her with Columbia. The record sold well enough that over the next couple of years, she made a total of 22 sides, many slow blues ballads she wrote herself, and which included sexual references and advice to other women. After her final session in Dallas in 1929, Glenn gave up her career as a professional singer and returned to a church-based life. She moved to California where she married the Reverend O.P. Smith, and she died in Richmond, California on July 22, 1978. Here are three from Lillian Glynn. Every Thursday night, 
you got to go to the Lord. Don't care if it's going down rain. Lord, just the same. Now I'm going to tell you exactly who I am. And I'm going to tell you just what I got. Because I'm a front door woman. And I sure got a back door man. Now when you make your money, hold it tight as you can. Because I'm a front door woman with a back door man.
you have three from Lillian Glynn. We started with I'm a Front Door Woman with a Back Door Man. Taylor Flanagan played piano and Perry Bechtel guitar on that recording made in Atlanta, Georgia on April 9, 1929, issued on Columbia 14433-D. Next, Lillian Glynn's composition, I Love That Thing. The pianist and brass bass player are unidentified, but I Love That Thing was recorded in Dallas, Texas on December 6, 1929. We finished up with Lillian Glenn singing J.C. Johnson's Wobble It a Little Daddy. Columbia 14817-D was recorded a day after I'm a Front Door Woman. And remember, sometimes a key is just a key. I'm Glenn Robison, and you and I are listening to Rapidly Rotating Records, bringing you vintage music to which you can't not tap your toes from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s. Last week, May 12th, marked the birth in 1868 in Dornum, Germany, of Albert Abraham Eliezer Adolf Schoenberg, to Levi Louis Schoenberg and Fanny Sophie Solomons. Doesn't ring a bell? You may know him better as Al Sheen. After a series of jobs, in 1888, he formed a group called the Manhattan Quartet with Charlie Harris, George Brennan, and Sam Curtis, and for three years he played in a musical comedy show called The Country Fair. Sheen and Ed Gallagher first worked together in 1912, but they couldn't stand each other, 
and split up after a couple of years. About six years later, Gallagher was half the team of Gallagher and Battle in an act called The Battle of Too Soon, when Al's sister, Minnie Marks, yes, the Marx Brothers' mother, convinced them to team up again, and they toured vaudeville. In 1921, they were on the same bill with the Seven Little Foys at B.F. Keith's Theater in Indianapolis when they bought a song from Harry Foy for $50. The song, Positively Mr. Gallagher, Absolutely Mr. Sheen, with the music written by Sheen, catapulted them to being one of the most famous teams in vaudeville. This time they stayed together for four years before breaking up again in 1925. Gallagher went on to form an act with Mademoiselle Fifi D'Orsay, which lasted a couple of years before alcohol took its toll and he died in a sanitarium in 1929. Al Sheen went on to have a long and successful career in vaudeville and movies through the 1930s and 1940s. In an interview the day before his 80th birthday, Sheen said, I'll keep acting till the day I die, and that's a long way distant. But it turned out not to be so distant after all. Al Sheen died a little more than a year later on August 12, 1949, in New York City, and is buried in the hamlet of Hawthorne in the town of Mount Pleasant in Westchester County, New York. Here are both sides of Gallagher and Sheen's one hit, Absolutely, Mr. Gallagher. Positively, Mr. Sheen. Good morning, Mr. Gallagher. Good morning, Mr. Sheen. There is something that is troubling me that is very plainly seen. Mr. Gallagher, I'm a peaceful man. I never yell or shout. Mr. Sheehan, if you will confide in me, I'll try and help you out. Oh, Mr. Gallagher. Yes, hello. Mr. Gallagher. Well, well, well. Do you think it's wrong for a man to strike his wife? Strike his wife before she goes out every night. Then comes home and starts a fight. Is a man supposed to stand the treatment all his life? Well, no, but Mr. Sheehan... Mr. Sheehan, a man who raised his hand to his wife is low and mean. If it's more than you can stand, remember, never use your hand. Use diplomacy, Mr. Gallagher. Use a sandbag, Mr. Sheehan. Oh, Mr. Gallagher. Yes, hello. Mr. Gallagher. I'm coming. There was a tiny Negro baby born last night. No, yes. Just as black as ink, weighed a half a pound, I think. How can a baby be so dark and yet so light? Ha ha! Why, Mr. Sheehan, Mr. Sheehan, that is the funniest color scheme I've ever seen. But I know a hen as black as night, and she can lay a egg that's white. Why, that's nothing, Mr. Gallagher. No, can you do it, Mr. Sheehan? Oh, Mr. Gallagher. Yes, I am here. Mr. Gallagher. Well, what is it? Every morning in the bathroom, I reduce. You reduce? I bend forward, up and down. Every day, I lose a pound. You need to the clothes. I own it getting loose. You be careful, Mr. Sheehan. Mr. Sheehan, exercising in the bathroom, quite a scheme. When you bend over, have a care if there's a radiator there. Suppose there is one, Mr. Gallagher. Be sure and face it, Mr. Sheehan. Oh, Mr. Gallagher. Yes, hello. Mr. 
There you have both sides of Victor 18941. The A side reads Mr. Gallagher and Mr. Sheen, positively Mr. Gallagher. And the B side, Mr. Gallagher and Mr. Sheen, absolutely Mr. Sheen. It seems odd, but the A side was recorded July 21st, 1922, and the B side almost a month later on August 18th. The label also says by the originators, Ed Gallagher and Al Sheen. Important because there were dozens of imitations and parodies all using the names Gallagher and Sheen. This is KISLFM 88.7 Avalon, and you're listening to Glenn Robison's Rapidly Rotating Records, toe-tapping music from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s. I try to outline the shows as far ahead as possible, and I had the subject of this birthday segment in this slot, because owing to an error in one of my sources, I had his birth date as May 15th. I've played lots of his records on the show, but he's never had his own segment, and in preparing his biography, I quickly realized his birth date was not May 15th, but May 30th. That means he should be getting his birthday segment on June 5th, but that show is already set, so he's getting an early birthday segment. May 30th will mark the birth in 1897 in Kiev of Jacques-Jacob Joseph Stavisky, the eldest of five children born to Louis Stavisky and Esther Bluma Saslavky. Doesn't ring a bell? You may know him better as bandleader Jacques Renard. The family emigrated to the U.S. on February 18, 1898, sailing aboard the SS Willahad, when Jacques was about two, and they settled in Boston. As a young child, Jacques wanted a violin more than anything, and got a job as an errand boy at a local Italian grocery, earning enough money to buy one he had seen in a pawn shop while walking to and from school. While at Chelsea High School, Jacques received lessons in violin and orchestration from Jacques Hoffman of the Boston Symphony Orchestra. Upon his graduation from Chelsea, he was all set to join the BSO, but a member of the Meyer Davis Orchestra had heard him play and lead the school orchestra, and offered him a position with the Meyer Davis outfit, which played at the Hotel Willard in Washington, D.C. The following year, Jacques married Jean Cohen, with whom he had three daughters, Winifred, Sylvia, and Edith. Within a few years, his small orchestra was playing at various nightclubs in and around Boston, including the Coconut Grove, the Latin Quarter, and the Lido Venice, where they were one of the highest-paid dance bands in the East. They made their radio debut on July 11, 1925, and were described by one newspaper as playing music-of-the-worthwhile type. It doesn't tear up the notes, which sometimes happens in jazz, but rather it cleaves to harmonies that make a real appeal. In 1927, Renard formed a company specifically to renovate the building at 17 Piedmont Street in Boston, originally built as a garage and warehouse. After spending $125,000 on the restoration, the lavish Coconut Grove nightclub opened as a venue for Jacques Renard and his Coconut Grove Orchestra. 
The main dining room seated 500, and in addition to Renard's 15-piece orchestra, there was also a nightly musical review. After a few years, Renard's mob-connected financiers took control, and Charles King Solomon, known as Boston Charlie, owned the club from 1931 to 1933, when he was gunned down in the restroom of Boston's Cotton Club. But that's getting a bit far afield. In the 1930s, Renard's orchestra was featured on radio programs including the Joe Penner, Eddie Cantor, and Burns and Allen shows, and he conducted the orchestra on the Camel Quarter Hour program. In 1933, Renard appeared in a couple of short films, Nick Kenny's Radio Thrills No. 2 and Rambling Round Radio Row No. 5. Although he had been using the name Renard for decades, in 1942 he appeared before a judge in Boston and petitioned the court to officially change his name from Stavisky to Renard. The judge granted his request. Jacques Renard died in Mount Sinai Hospital in Miami, Florida on January 30, 1975, and is buried at Chevra Mishnah Cemetery in Lynn, Massachusetts. I've played many of Renard's records, but here are three not heard on the show before. Thank you. 
I like that record. Johnny Marvin with Jacques Renard and his orchestra, and You Went Away Too Far and Stayed Away Too Long. Alfred Bryan wrote the lyrics and James V. Monaco the music. Johnny Marvin did double duty singing and playing ukulele, and Jacques Renard also filled two roles, directing the orchestra and playing violin. Victor recorded that on Valentine's Day, 1927, and issued it as catalog number 20487. Before that, Jacques Renard and his Coconut Grove Orchestra with the waltz, There'll Never Be Another You. Frank Luther, Phil Dewey, and Jack Parker made up the vocal trio on that recording, made June 25, 1928, issued on Victor BVE-45655. There'll Never Be Another You was written by Carl O. Bergner. We started our tribute to Jacques Renard with Give Her a Thrill, introducing the tune College Days. Music by R.L. Harlow from the 1921 show Home Brew. Vocalion 14168 was released in May 1921. I'm Glenn Robison, and the show is Rapidly Rotating Records. We're here each and every Sunday evening at 6 on Island Radio, FM 88.7, KISL, Avalon, and anywhere on the planet at KISLAvalon.com. This and all our previous shows are also available 24-7 on demand anytime at all online at RapidlyRotatingRecords.com. And we're on all the major podcast directories. Last week I received an email from a listener who had come across the term Side Door Pullman and asked if there was a model of Pullman rail car which had doors in the center similar to doors on a subway car. It's a fair question, but no, side door Pullman is a slang euphemism used by rail-riding hobos in the early days of the 20th century, referring to a boxcar which has wide sliding doors on each side and was much preferred over flat cars, gondolas, grainers, and especially tank cars when hopping a ride on a freight train. I was going to use that as the basis for this segment of the show, but as it turns out, there's another reason for a Pullman segment today. Overnight passenger train travel in the 1800s was extremely uncomfortable. George Mortimer Pullman saw a need for clean, comfortable, efficient railroad sleeping cars, and in 1863, having secured a contract with the Chicago, Alton, and St. Louis Railroad, built two of them at a cost of $18,000 each. In 1867, he formed the Pullman Palace Car Company, which became highly successful. On May 11, 1894, nearly 4,000 Pullman Company factory employees, most living in the company town of Pullman, Illinois, just outside of Chicago, started a wildcat strike in response to reductions in wages. It escalated to be nationwide, and obviously there's more to the story, But by the time the strike unsuccessfully ended on July 20, 1894, it resulted in an estimated 70 deaths and 57 injuries. When George Pullman died in 1897, he had 90% of the sleeping car business in North America, and in 1925 the company employed 28,000 conductors and 12,000 porters. The last Pullman sleeper car rolled off the line in May of 1981 and is still in service as Amtrak sleeping car number 32009 on the Empire Builder route between Chicago and Seattle. 
So with thanks to George Pullman for his contribution to train travel, and in honor of all the Pullman employees, here's a set of rapidly rotating records about Pullmans. Introduction, you can see just who we are. Holders on a Pullman train. Oh, yes, sir. Standard at the platform of the sleeping car. Ready, quick, and willing to explain. Where you is located, we must be remunerated. Don't forget the little friendly tip. We think you ought to give us a quarter. For then you'll have a very pleasant trip. Hold up. Hold up. Give us more air, will you, quick? Hoda, the window, please close. <laughs> Hoda, this pillow is just as hard as a rock. Hoda, <laughs> come give me small clothes. Hoda, <laughs> come here, sir. Hoda, stay there. All night the people complain. We ask Hoda, stand before Hoda, and we run on the best of you train. We ask Hoda. Hear them drumming on the one little hundred to run for the fun. 
They're parading here, they yell from the boys. Honey, listen, can't you tell by the noise? That will mention all the fun. But I'll see that big parade. My honey, just see those Pullman porters, dolled up in perfume water, bought by the dimes and quarters. Hit them, hit them, hit them. Oh, see those dots up collars, and hear their captain holler. Keep time, keep time, it's worth a thousand dollars. To see those tip collectors, those up our birth inspectors, those Pullman porters on parade. Oh, see those Pullman porters, dolled up in perfume water, bought by the dimes and quarters. It's a, it's a, it's a. Oh, see those dots up collar, and hear their captain holler. Keep time, keep time, it's worth a thousand dollars. You see those tip collectors, those up our birth inspectors, those Pullman porters on parade. Destination. Everyone has bid farewell upon that railway station. Crowds of people are on board, of sorts and kinds amongst the horde. But there's one whose service must deserve some admiration. Boom and Sam. Everybody on the train wants Boom and Sam. He's the one you want to know when service is required. He's the one to be desired. Always has a smiling face. A Boom and Porter's, he's the ace. Millionaires always ask for his attention, yet he'd serve a hobo with the same intention, happy as the day is long. Life to him is just a song, nothing ever could go wrong with Bowman Porter Sam. Sam? Yes, sir. Can you get me some dollars changed? Sure, boss. You 
just trust me where there's some finance to be arranged. Oh, sir? Yeah, ma'am. Now, what time do we get to Ohio? Sure, ma'am. I'll soon find out. I guess there's nothing much I don't know. Sir? Yeah, boss. Say, what about my glass of gin? Yes, sir. If you drink this, you'll be calling Rockefeller your next again. Sam! 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 Yes, sir. Yeah, ma'am. Gee, I guess I'd better go and change my name to Scram. The Crackajacks, K-R-A-K-A-J-A-X, and Pullman Porter Sam from Parlophone F-488, recorded in London on May 22, 1936. The vocal trio was made up of Reedman Mickey Atlas, drummer and xylophonist Len Jennings, and uh, somebody else. The band recorded two dozen issued sides within the span of just five months, and you'll be hearing more from them in an upcoming show. Before the Crackajacks, we heard William J. Holly with his June 11, 1913 rendition of the Pullman Porters on Parade, issued on Victor 17453. It was a popular tune, and I've played Al Jolson's version, recorded exactly one week before Holly's. Maurice Abrams wrote the music with lyrics by Irving Berlin and Ren G. May. Will Hawley was born January 17, 1893, and you can expect him to have his own birthday segment at the beginning of next year. We started that Pullman Porter set with baritone Arthur Collins and tenor Byron G. Harlan and their song and dance musical sketch, Porters on a Pullman Train, from Edison Diamond Disc 51063, made September 22, 1922. Porters on a Pullman Train was written by Charles D. Crandall. Crandall also wrote the song on the flip side, Henry's Music Lesson, a laughing record inspired by the OK Laughing Record. I played Henry's Music Lesson on the April 6, 2020 show, but by Sally Stembler. And if you happen to miss it, you might want to go to the Rapidly Rotating Records archives at rapidlyrotatingrecords.com and listen. Doing our part to keep alive the music of the 1920s and 30s, this is Rapidly Rotating Records, Sunday evenings at 6 on KISL-FM 88.7 Avalon, and available anytime on demand online at RapidlyRotatingRecords.com. Having gone on so long about Jacques Renard and George Pullman, this segment is going to get truncated, but it seems to me that there is a profound lack of logic and reason in the world today, and particularly in this country. So, as a public service, I'm going to spread some reason with these reasonable, rapidly rotating records. 
Now that's reasonable, isn't it? What's the reason,
That tune starts sounding like it's coming to an end about halfway through and keeps that up until it does abruptly end, sounding like it's missing a couple of final chords. Adrian Schubert and his Salon Orchestra credited on the label of Oriole 598 as the Dixie Jazz Band with For No Reason At All, recorded March 16, 1926. For No Reason At All was composed by Walter C. Ness and is not to be confused with For No Reason At All in C by Frank Trumbauer and Bix Beiderbeck and For No Good Reason At All, written by Sam M. Lewis, Joe Young, and Abel Baer. And we started that abbreviated Reason set with Arnold Johnson and his orchestra with the vocal trio of Roy Strom, Roy Ingram, and Harold Arlen, known as Harold Arluck at the time, asking the musical question, What's the Reason? on April 9, 1928. That song was written by Harold Atteridge and Maurice Rubens and is heard in the first act of the 1928 edition of the Greenwich Village Follies. It opened at the Winter Garden Theater on the very day that recording was made, but you had just 128 chances to catch it. I'm Glenn Robison, and I'm very pleased that you've chosen to spend this past hour with me listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. If you had half as much fun as I did, then I had twice as much fun as you. You can catch us anytime, and I hope you'll click in or tune in again next week. And in the meantime, if you haven't heard all of them, listen to some of the archived shows on the website, rapidlyrotatingrecords.com. Regardless, as always, I thank you for your very kind attention. <laughs> ¶¶